Hey guys, uh, listen, the following podcast, we have excellent stuff. We talk about fatherhood. However, Father Dan just got back to Chalco from Guadalajara and the internet service and audio wasn't great, but the material was too good to strip it down. So we wanted to do it again today to get the audio better. But all of a sudden, Father Dan opened his mouth and Father talk right now. Yeah, folks, I have a, I had a, I have a voice issue. Uh, so I don't really have a voice. It's not from screaming at the kids. Uh, so I don't think we can do the podcast right now. Sorry, folks. We tried. I just finished two masses back to back with the kiddos. But uh, I think my voice is not strong enough. It's not holding up. Father, OJ, lemon, a little bit of tea. And if they got whiskey down there, well, <laughs> so, so, so stay, stay tuned because the podcast follows here. It's I, I, I just I just listened to it. It's excellent stuff, and we have some big news to break in the podcast. So stay tuned, Father. Get well. God bless you, folks. Sorry for the cold. I'll be fine. Just it's one of those things. Welcome back to the one-to-one -one podcast, your Lenten journey. I'm your host, Kevin Wells, with Father Dan. Father Dan Leary, how are you? Good to be with you, Kevin. Hi, folks. Good to be with you. It's good to see you, Father Dan. Father Dan, it's picking up steam a little bit, this Lenten journey. I, um, so a couple weeks ago, you, you got right into the, the shack, how Father Al decided to live in a shack for five years to get to know Christ better in sort of a more demanding way. And last week... Uh, we got into the apparition site with Mary asking the, the peasant girl, Mariette, to plunge her hands in the water, essentially, to uh, to be uncomfortable. And you really broke those down very well. And, and this week, we're going to get into fatherhood. And I and I imagine, Father, uh, you know, you, I've heard you speak over the years about the importance of fatherhood. And I, and I hope to really delve into it. Uh, as a podcast sort of advances. However, Father, before we get into this week's podcast, I want to break something on you. Actually, we just got this just a day or two ago, and um, EWTN is releasing on March 15th. It's actually a, a worldwide premiere. It's going to show all over the world on March 15th, the 16th, and the 19th. Uh, it's a really, it's a new series, a brand new series. It's called They Might Be Saints. And out of really hundreds of venerables and blesseds, Father Al, Venerable Aloysius Schwartz, made the cut, which is incredible. So they chose 12, and Father Al made the cut. So we just got the promo from EWTN, and I want to drop it right now. This is the first time. It's actually very, very cool. Take a look. You haven't seen it before. I want you to take a look and tell me what you think. Great. He's starting to open up these tubercular wards, hospices, orphanages. If you were not accepted by society, you were welcomed into one of his humble kingdoms. He was very aware 
of his mission because he always was trusting in God. He had a heart which was just brimming over with charity. Uh, and he had this deep, deep desire to bring people to Christ. Great stuff, huh, Father? Man, that thing is awesome. I, I want to watch it. I want to have the kids watch it because so many of us, so many of them didn't know Father Al that are here now. Excellent. Folks, dive into that thing. That looks great. I recognize the voices, Wells. I heard your voice. But in spite of that, I'll still watch it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, EWTN. I love it. It's great. Father, I, I, uh, I've been talking to the producers for a little while now. It's an exceptional series. They spent a lot of time in your backyard, where you are now, in Chalco, filming the kids. You know, just looking at that short promo, I'm sure you saw some things that you're familiar with. Definitely. I even recognize when I recognize the sister's voice. I just think it's great. You know, Father Al has a message and so many folks are looking for hope. This guy was a man of hope in his sacrifice and his service in, in all sincerity. He just saw hope in every broken, abandoned, poor child. So, yeah, I think it's a perfect time to air it. Right, Father. He's a father to orphans. Hey, Father, did you catch him? I know the promo was short, but did you catch him? It was only like three seconds walking around in that classroom, just kind of observing. Did you see that? Yeah, uh, I was thinking about that. You know, I've read his, his book and his, his writings. So I'm reading every day his writings. <clears throat> and he had this like management by walking around. It was sort of a an image of St. John Bosco, um, where he would have the sisters walking around and greeting the kids, just being present to them. Um, so I've tried to adapt that to the best of my ability to, to walk around um, and to, to be present to the kids so that, of course, I'm blessing them or talking to them or whatever it may be. So, yeah, I love that idea. I think it's the words, what management by walking around was a father alism. You know, Father, you said something the other day. You probably didn't realize what you said. You said when you got back from that eight-hour trip from Boys Town to Guadalajara to Chalco, Girls Town, you said the first thing you did when you got out of the car is you walked around. Why did you do that? Well, first is to let them know that a, their spiritual father had arrived. And there was a tremendous reaction of positive and screaming and yelling out the windows. Um, so... I just wanted to be visibly present. I could have ridden my Miss Gulch bike. I have this bike with this basket on it, but I chose to walk. And it took me a lot longer to get to where I was going to have adoration. But I think it was an effective presence actually um, to demonstrate that I'm here and I'm here for the kids and of course the sisters. Yeah, Father, you wouldn't say that, but you were gone for two, two and a half, three weeks and they missed you. And you wanted to show them, hey, dad's back in town, your spiritual father's back in town. I think it's beautiful when you said that. Again, you didn't even realize when you told me how it struck me. I, I imagine both at Guadalajara and Chalco, there's been examples of you with that sort of management by walking around where you've identified in some of these kids some things that you would not have unless you were kind of walking around. Yeah. Do, do you want stories? Please. Uh, well, this is a classic story from Guadalajara. So I'm out there playing soccer with the guys. I never played soccer in my entire career. It was football, basketball, and baseball. I'm terrible. I swung and missed at a ball. Anyway, I'm sitting on the sidelines, and these guys got these rocket legs. I mean, they're booting the ball. And I'm this little boy, a first-year boy, comes and sits next to me, and I'm watching the game trying not to get drilled because there's two, two of these 
um, courts for in, like soccer back to back so you can easily get doinked. And this little kid comes, sits next to me. And the whole time I'm watching the game not to get pegged, he's watching me. He's staring at me. And it was really very funny, you know. Uh, this guy's name is Wilfred. Anyway, come full circle. I'm getting ready to roll out on the last night. And who's the last kid that comes in for a blessing? Wilfred. Well, Wilfred. And I'm like, I think I know this polecat. So I'm like, are you Wilfred? I don't know, man. I was just praying to the Holy Spirit because, you know, first year kids, they all got the same little boy regular haircut, man. They got to get it all tightened up. And he's like, yeah. And then he starts crying because I said his name. I said his name. So we, I, you know, we talked, I gave him a blessing and me and my, me and my, my little buddy, we rolled down the stairs together. I said, look, when I come back next week, I want to see you next time. Um, another one was, this is a little bit more graphic, was a girl who um, I was meeting with one time. And, you know, she was talking so fast. She's crying. She's got the mask on. I mean, it's like a, it's, it's another world when you got a mask on and you're speaking a foreign language. And this little girl goes, Father, you want to see? And I said, yeah, I didn't really understand. And she had these shorts on and on the skirt over top. And she pulled it up to the middle of her leg. And she had been badly burned. And then she had a long sleeve shirt on and she, she pulled the shirt up and it was all scarred. And what happened was she finally felt comfortable to show me. Um, I was one of the few that knew the story. And incidentally, you know, we got, you know, there's always help here. You know, they're always trying to help them. But yeah, she got burned and she was admitted here just as a miracle, really, actually. She didn't get in. And then her family waited outside, actually, Kevin, for two days. And they were like banging on the door to get in. And then the sister let her in because a kid had left like for reasons. And they brought her in and now she's here. And it's that kind of stuff, man. Like the man, I don't know whether that's management walk by walking around or just being present, but the girls and the guys are just opening up their pain. And so I think that's what Father I was driving at, management by walking around. Yeah, and they both came to you because you you are their spiritual father. Um, you know, today there are literally tens of thousands of graduates, students, and really the sisters of the Mary, who when they refer to Father Al, they say, oh, yes, he's, he's my spiritual father. And they don't miss a beat. So I, I imagine Father Dan is their spiritual father that when you identify Wilfred, who's just staring at you and starts to break down and says, give me a blessing. And, and, the, poor, and the poor girl that showed you her burns what you do is you say you try and unpack maybe it's a wound of shame or or no one knows about my burns except for you, Father, and, and you just work it from there. Yeah, you know what it's interesting. The first reaction, they're waiting to see what I'm gonna do. And so they tell me something painful and they're waiting to see if I'm gonna be angry at them because they never told anybody. And my comment is always, when did this happen? Oh, I was five years old. How old are you now? Fifteen. And my reaction is you're incredible. For 10 years, you carried this burden all by yourself. And then I do the muscle thing. It's like, man, you're strong. And they start giggling or crying more. Yeah, man. I mean, how can you not cry when a kid tells you a story that's 10 years old and they've been lugging it around? They can't. 
I mean, they're just little, little kids, man. And uh, I said, wow, thanks for sharing. I'm proud of you. I've learned how to say I'm proud of you in Spanish. And that's the game changer because then they go, yeah, it's really funny. Father, I I think you say you say I'm proud of you, but I think I've also heard you say to these to these little saints is uh, do you want to heal now? Tell me about that. Well, you know, Kevin, the whole I mean, folks, the whole point of this mission down here is bringing healing to the poor and following in Father Al's footsteps. Um, So then that begins the journey of healing, you know, like father can't. You know, you can't go and cough up something to your to your father and then he bail, he blows you off. So I've gone into the trench with them and I say, look, I want to work with you. I want to help you. Um, is it overwhelming at times? Yeah, but it's not because Father Al's approach was personal. Everyone, you know, like every act of service was personal. And so when I'm in front of that kid, whether it's my man Wilfred or the little girl here, it's all personal. It's all a moment of Christ, which is such a grace in my life that I can enjoy that moment and not sweat the fact that there's a ton of other kids waiting. This guy or this little girl is the one that's getting my attention. Well, well Father, you're, it's personal because you're a father. Uh, yeah. we, a dad has got to make things personal with his troubled son who might be watching pornography or his daughter who's coming in at 2 in the morning. Dad waits up until 2 o'clock until his daughter walks in and say. We got a problem. It's got to become personal. And and I think that spiritual dimension or, or that supernatural dimension that you have as a priest is you need to look further into things. And, and the kids are relying up, up, upon you as their spiritual father to say, yeah, I'll, I'll lead you now. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if this is what you're driving at, but, you know, one time our family had a pretty catastrophic, humiliating experience when I was a younger kid. And um it's a long story, but it was pretty embarrassing. And uh, I didn't really always understand it. And then I remember I was an altar boy at my parish at Little Flower. And I said to my dad, I was like, hey, uh, let's blow this off. Let's blow off Little Flower and go to another place. And he said, no, we're going back. And we're going to sit in the same pew at Little Flower at the same mass like we've always done. And in a way, that was a grace and the way it was humiliating, but a grace that my father said, in spite of all the pain the family's gone through this week because of this situation, um, we're not going to blow off God. And he led, he really led us into the parish that morning. We didn't roll out the side like we normally do. We kind of walked out uh, and dad just said, hey, these are my kids and they're not perfect, but it is what it is. So I learned that example from my father, actually. I mean, he wasn't perfect, but he, he didn't want to hide from the pain. Yeah. So your dad was a man. He, he knew his identity. He was masculine. And it, and it does seem, Father, more and more, I mean, you know this, that there seems to be a famine of masculinity, almost, almost where man has forgotten his identity. Uh, you know, we, we have all these things flowing around right now with gender transitions and men that want to become women and teenage boys that want to play on women's teams. And, and, and I think, I think I heard someone say the other day that the most dangerous place to be other than a child inside the womb is to be a man nowadays because they're mocked on TV, they're ridiculed. They don't know their identity. They're kicked around. Uh, why do you think man 
has sort of devolved maybe the past half century into this place where we are now? Well, I don't know. I'm not a historian, or but it seems to me that we've um, abdicated the responsibility of leadership and service. Those are the two. They seem like a mixed bag, a, a contradiction. How do you lead when you're serving? How do you serve when you lead? I think we've given that away. I think um, leadership is through service, but service is sacrificial. And so until folks really dive in, until well, until men dive in, and I guess I could apply it to priests and maybe even to bishops, until there's that sacramental, excuse me, that sacrificial reality of, sac of, of generosity, it, Kevin, it doesn't connect. I'm real quick, I'm reading a book. Uh, this Bishop Cousins wrote a book called The Living Image of the Bridegroom, and it's really profound. And he's making a very strong statement that he says, yes, the priest is in persona Christi, but until that priest accepts the nuptial relationship, meaning the marital relationship with uh, the bride, his church, he will not give him his total self. And I don't know, I think Cousins is on to something. Um, I'm not promoting his book, but I'm just saying, I started reading it, it's like, this is it. And I'm just so grateful that, you know, Father Al really um, had that nuptial relationship with Mother Church and dove in and that's why he could lead and that's why he didn't give away the essential identity of, of his fatherhood. He didn't just say, well, I don't wanna do that, I don't wanna do that. He said, this is my responsibility. This is my role to lead, to serve, to sacrifice. And so anyway, not to go on a tangent, but that's what I believe. That's why I'm here. That's the whole point of ministry. Ministry isn't to save yourself. Ministry is to pour yourself out. And that's what Schwartz did. And so, you know, if I can die like Father Al, then I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, well, Father, I think Father Al always had an icon of the crucifixion in his heart. And when he looked to the cross, he saw a, a God who sacrificed himself for him. So he said, well, that's what I got to do. It's rather simple, I think. Uh, and I think modern day man, a, a lot of them, it, it, let's be candid now, let's be frank. They've made icons of comfort, whether it's video games or pornography or oh, we got to watch the game again tonight or I'm going to go to the game. We're going to tailgate or. I mean, I know priests that, watch, that play video games. I, I know, I, I just know it's this, it's this, it's this draw to comfort, which is the polar opposite of what Father Al did. And I know you're you're stepping in big shoes here, but it, it seems what you're saying is sacrifice equals signs equals manhood or true fatherhood. Yeah, I, I, I also think it's it's a choice, Kevin, that everybody has to make. Um, is holiness achievable and what God's will is for everybody? Yes, but it's a choice how you live it. And that's what Father Al always said. You know, the point of, re of, of working hard to retire is not to retire, but then to serve those that you can. So do I believe that, that, it's, that it's a choice of sacrifice? Of course. Why do you, why do you think I'm here, Wells? Get it together. I mean, seriously, the whole point is it's not comfortable. I mean, I got grub. It's fine. But I I mean, I got a full day, man. And every time I turn around, I got kids that want to cough it up. So I'm blessed. But that coughing up gives me energy. And I think 
when guys, when kids are coughing it up and, you know, we had this Exodus 90 group, right? When I was in my parish and one of the old guys, right? I mean, these guys are great. And we did this thing and you know, you're not allowed to watch television. Well, this old polecat, he, he played shoots and ladders with his grandkid, right? So he would come every week, man. He'd be like, uh, yeah, I played shoots and ladders. And I was like, what's that? And I was like, I know what that is. I mean, I don't have the board game. And I was like, tell me about it. And he was describing like, it took him like five minutes to get down on the ground. And I was like, man, you look like an upside down turtle, man. Cause you got a big gut and he's playing shoots and ladders with his grandkid, right? Pappy was like, oh, for 15 and shoots and ladders. Cause the grandkid always won. And he described the, 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 the joy of that. I mean, he, we started ragging on about shoots and ladders and it was, it, it brought just great joy, man. Like you get smoked again by your grandkid and shoots and ladders. Yeah. My point is he gave up television and he played shoots and ladders with his grandkid. That's what it's all about, man. Father, I'm with you. I'm doing Exodus 90 as well. You said it perfectly. It's, it's what we do with this, this time and we give of ourselves. You know, I, I've heard an anachronism for family. Forget about me. I love you. That's what a man, a dad does. I'm, I'm last here. Honey, my wife is, is right here and the kids are, are, are there too, but I'm last. And, and uh, it's with this, it's a sacrificial dimension that you're, that you're speaking of. And I do think, Father, how awesome was it? How incredible was it for Pope Francis to point to the preeminent role model, St. Joseph, uh, who was chaste, who was a protector. He was prayerful. He was consistent. He was noble. He was a leader. He was an example. Um, and, and, it's, and it's crazy, Father. You don't hear these beautiful words like chaste anymore. More dependable, and 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 those are these are words that, that I think are, are important to come back into the lexicon of masculinity. Well, I, actually, I, I don't know if you're if you're doing the consecration of the, a guy named Father Don Calloway did this thing on this 30, 33 day consecration, I think, and it's pretty powerful. And I'm you know I I I'm working my way through it, and Saint Joe, you know I I I accepted a part. St. Joe, you know, saints pick us, I guess. I don't know. He picked me or I picked him. And anyway, we got this brotherhood going on as a <clears throat> spiritual father to me. And yeah, St. Joe was faithful. He was chaste. He was dependable. But he was also a man. And the scripture is really clear. St. Joe always listened. That's why he could hear. And <clears throat> for me in my prayer, and when I had a spiritual director, he would say, Father Dan, if you're not listening to God and you don't get the noise out of your head, you will not understand how to lead your people. And I think that's why St. Joe could do that. Uh, without a doubt. And, and, and analogous, to that, analogous to that is, um, is Father Al listening to Mary in Belgium at the apparition site. Feed the poor, give comfort to the poor. And he never stopped because he was a man. Again, I'll go back to it. He was masculine. And he wanted to see it through, as, as you are right now, Father. Um, you know, Man, not, sorry about coughing, coughing into my Cobra book, but I don't have a handkerchief, man. I can't find it, so I gotta, I gotta use my dog here. <laughs> Father, at least you're not using your sock or your shirt sleeve. That's okay. Because I'm, I'm on TV, bro. I want to do this. 
just throw it out afterwards. Don't use that mask tomorrow, okay? Just throw it out. Are you so, so, Father, the other thing that came to mind, and, and we're going to close out a little bit before before we close out. I want you to really talk to men about maybe something that you can um, something you can uh, ask of them going forward. But but I do want to. What struck me in last week's Sunday Gospel was that during this, I, I mentioned a famine. In, in sort of society and culture, and also a, a sort of this famine in, in fatherhood. It's it just men losing their identity. It said that Jesus went to the desert and remained. Jesus remained. So I'm wondering, Father, maybe going, going forward and maybe talking to us men right now, us fathers, how do we remain in this duty or this identity of being a father? What, what can you, can you expound on that? Yeah, well, um, I think I never thought of it the way you just said it, but there is a certain sense, I've sensed it in my own life, that I'm in some place and I want to be somewhere else. And so I'm at home with my kids, let's say, and I'm on the cell phone. So I'm here, but I'm not here. Um, I see that a lot. Um, it's something I've talked to the kids about because their, ki their families are suffering outside. And I say to them, you got to be here, man. And the sisters are pounding at home. Here you can go to mass. Here you can go to adoration. Here you're praying for them. And the kids are like, okay. So to use your phrase, remained, I'm with you. Um, when I'm in one place, I got to stay focused on that place. And what I realize actually is when I detach emotionally, spiritually from that place, I'm demonstrating a weakness of soul. So I'm here in front of you, but I'm not on my cell phone. I'm present to you. And so it's something I've actually cultivated. Wherever I am, I'm going to be. And then I can roll out. I know my schedule. I know when I got to go. But I've got to be where I am. And that's a huge grace, my brothers. If you guys can learn to do that, you will not feel the burden. I think the devil works in this. Kevin, I think he is constantly detaching everybody. So I'm with my family, but I'm on my cell phone. They're on their cell phone and nobody's in communion, you know, and I'm at mass, but I'm on the cell. Like we got to be somewhere. And so I don't know, you know, sometimes I ask the sisters, like, where are you? I'm here, father. I said, no, where are you? Where are you here? Are you here? I don't know, man. I, I, I think really powerfully it's we don't know how to remain. So therefore, we don't know how to listen. So therefore, we don't know how to follow Christ. So therefore, we don't know how to lead others if you really want it. That was good, man. So I just think that's the truth, bro. So, so Father, what you're saying, really, the beginning of it is you must detach from the world, whether it's the cell phone or the skins game, or whatever it might be, to engage with the family in front of you, or even work, or whatever your task is, you've got to stick it over there and just go to the person or, or whatever is in front of you. Yeah, it's not just detachment, though, because, you know, I can give up something. I've got to connect. I mean, that's the whole game changer. I detach, and then there's a void. The word in Spanish is vacío. I'm empty. That's the word they use. And then that's the place where the devil comes because where there's a lack, the devil comes. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. 
Great, Father. Thank you very much. So, uh, Father, before uh, we send you off, I do want to repeat one more time. Please, uh, listeners, viewers, um, I got the dates right here. March 15th at 11.30 in the morning and the 16th at 5.30 at night and the 19th at 5 p.m. Back to back to back. They might be saints. Uh, it's a beautiful, it truly is. I mean, they, they put some time and in, in, uh, I'm going to say it. Ethiopian put some money into it to capture the remarkable life of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz, who he's really on the path to sainthood here. So please try and mark, put it in your phone right now. And at least for one of the, one of the three to watch this, I, I promise you it, it, it's worth your time. Um, so it's, they might be giant, they might be saints and it's on Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Uh, with that said, Father, uh, anything else before you send us off with the blessing? No, man. Uh, good job. I liked. I like what you wanted to talk about. I don't know what you want to talk about next week, but um, Father, I do. Let me cut you off. I want to get into. I, actually, I want to dovetail what we're talking about today. So we got into fatherhood a little bit, but I want to go. The other shoe has got to drop. What a father does. I want to get into the boldness that Father Al Schwartz had. Father James Golosinski, who hung out with him for 10 years in, in uh, Korea, said he was the boldest man who ever lived. I was there for 10 years. I saw how he confronted a mafia kingpin, bishops who wanted to take him down, a gang of lepers who attacked him. He walked right through them because he knew who he was. So I want to get into sort of that boldness the man needs and really the prophetic voice. That's great. I like that. All right. Thanks for giving me a heads up this time. For next week, <laughs> I love it. Anyway, right, Father, you mind uh, giving us a blessing? Great to be with you, folks. God bless you. May the Lord bless you, protect you, give you peace, and the Holy Spirit come upon you, folks. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, folks.